This is Pam Electric Ghost, and we're live on the air with Rachel Levin uh, from rachellevinwellness.com. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, thanks. How are you? I'm doing great. It's been busy. We, we, uh, we're doing a lot of podcasts lately. We had one previously. We have another one later tonight, so we are a live podcaster, so it kind of goes... <laughs> into each other, but um, it's it's great to be talking to people around the world and uh, to let people know we have your website up, which is a URL, rachellevinwellness.com. Uh, that will be fully clickable when we're published. And we also want to let people know that we are a feature podcast on Newsly. If people use that coupon code GHOST, they can check that out for free for one month and check that out. But um, I wanted to get in to talk about like um, your, your um, your background is uh, you're a published author of the Donut Diaries. You're a professional speaker and body love educator and a certified personal trainer and certified health coach. So maybe you want to give people a little bit of more background so they can uh, the audience gets to know you a little more. Of course. Well, thank you again for having me. I appreciate it. I uh, have been a fitness professional for over 20 years. And in 2020, I wrote my book. And I would say that my business and my the way I see the fitness industry has shifted in the past 10 years. And when I decided to write my book, I really was hoping to inspire people to have a better relationship with themselves. And so now that's the kind of work I do, even though I have all the certifications you just listed, I really feel like working with people to get to know themselves again and trust their bodies again is really the message I'm doing my best to convey. Well, I think that's important because a lot of people today with the social media, especially like younger people, have all these influencers and all these social media showing them these things and they're getting like a lot of a lot of issues with uh, like young people who have, you know, there's unrealistic expectations because of the images on social media and people don't, you know, you know, is that real? Is that really right for you? Like, is that healthy? What, what's going on? And people are being influenced. And just because something gets a million views doesn't mean that that's actually right for you. I couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> so like when you started to write the book, um, it was it for that kind of educational purpose to get to people to get them to understand like the idea of body love? I mean, yes, but what I, I chose to do is by sharing my own story with my own struggles and my own way of finding my power again is hoping to get the message out that a you're not alone and exactly what you just said we are all individuals and we are all here to live our best life and be happy but that is not going to look the same for every single person so i wanted to make sure that people understand my book is not a workout my book is not a meal plan or any kind of diet it's literally me sharing my story with my readers so as a storyteller, like well, I think a lot of times education, people have gotten into so many things that are based on the step program, right? Or based on like uh, uh, basically some kind of routine rather than the whole of a history, human history has been the storyteller. Like it, you tell a story so you get empathy, you get understanding. And it's always not the, it's not just the shortcut flow chart, easy 
access thing. And people are so into trying to get immediate results. They, they want, they want to think everything distilled to the cliff note. Like, well, sometimes you actually read the, need to read the novel. Sometimes you need to read the short story and there's no getting around the cliff note. You actually have to experience like what somebody is telling you because you could learn from that more than just the kind of shortcut well, give it to me in 24 steps or just tell me the, like the synopsis. Well, maybe you need to actually read the story or hear the story. Yeah, well, luckily my book is really short and sweet to the point. <laughs> but so who who is it for? Initially, when I started writing it, I had women in mind. But the longer that I'm in this space, I realize that it's not only women it's men too, but really it's our younger generations that need to hear that A, you're not alone and B, I hope that I can save you 30 years of crash dieting and restrictive dieting and having a poor relationship with your body because it really starts from the inside out. It has nothing to do with your outside surroundings or influences. It really is how you see your own person so, you are. yeah because a lot of times they have people have a bad image of themselves you know if, if, if the idea that you know I'm, I'm into poetry but there's a the concept of the looking glass that the victorian poets used to use a lot of times to kind of represent your identity mm-hmm. and a lot of people have a hard time looking at that looking glass they they don't accept who they are so it, it, does it really start with that self-love overcoming that? Because some people, you know, they, they can, you know, I was talking to a guy one time, he had six pack abs, totally body built up, and he still did not see that in the looking glass. He saw something else. He didn't even see what he was at that moment. And people could see him and he didn't see himself. I feel like that's a very true statement for a lot of people. I mean, I have that same experience. When I turned 40 years old, I was at the smallest I've ever been in my entire life. I was a size zero and I was miserable and I was unhappy and I still didn't know who I was. And it, you know, that's where the real shift happened for me is having this body that I had strived for my whole life and then still not feeling comfortable in it. So Mm -hmm. I, I realized there was a disconnect there excuse me, and which charted this journey that I've been on now for 11 years. Yeah, like how does that disconnect happen? I mean, maybe you can talk about how it happened for you as an example, like begin your book, like, and how you resolve the disconnect. I think that when, you know, having this big birthday, turning 40, realizing I had gotten the body that I've always wanted and still feeling that emptiness, I realized that I had to go back and I had to clean up my past and I had to figure out why I felt this way about myself. I mean, I should be, you know, having the best years of my life. And I just, all I wanted to do is crawl in a hole. And so I chose to listen to that voice that was in my head and say, It's time to do the work. It's time to really do the work and heal from 
all these thoughts that you've had about yourself your whole life and all the things that you don't think you are when you really are. And it took some time. It took a lot of work. It took a lot of really looking inside. And there was lots of days where there were tears. But being able to feel myself getting stronger and feeling myself really starting to know who Rachel was, I think is a power that I've never experienced before. And I, I do realize that life is always going to be teaching me something and I'm always going to have the opportunity to learn, but I don't shut the door on that anymore the way I used to. So that to me is so worth everything I've gone through. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, I find that creative people like to, you know, look at that looking glass and, you know, when you're a creative, whether you write a poem or you write you know, a book or you write music, it's that in that kind of discovery of, of, of um, challenging things where you're not just like keeping things at the surface. Like you deal with people in conversation a lot of times as if it's just, you know, you, you just surface level conversation, but you have to go past that and get to the kind of core authentic and vulnerabilities. I think the vulnerable part of people is like, that's what makes you, you know, scared. What makes people fearful, what makes them stay in the box to not question things or not understand like, okay, well, my relationship with my body, my relationship with food, my relationship with other people, it, you know, there's a lot of things that's holistic. A lot of things, there's multiple legs to things and people think, well, if I just fix the outward leg, everything's going to be fine. But if the inward leg is still unresolved and you've never addressed it, you could, you could end up being toned, six pack, looking great. And then you don't feel it because you didn't handle the, the mind. You didn't handle the heart or the soul. If those things aren't in alignment and they're harder to measure. So it, like, is that, is that what you started to discover? Absolutely. I realized that I have just been dealing with the surface stuff for so long and maybe I would, you know, have a, an awakening or an awareness for one or two things, but not enough to really say that I could look myself in the eye in the mirror and say, I love you. I respect you. I trust you. I just, I, it was impossible for those words to leave my lips. And mm -hmm. I, you know, being able to do that now with such conviction and, and believing it is, I think the most amazing part of my story, because I think so many of us believe that we're never going to be able to be happy. We're never going to be able to get past those traumas or those hurts. And am I saying that it was walking through a bed of flowers? Absolutely not. It was the toughest thing I've ever done. But there is, to lack of a better expression, there is a light at the end of those tunnels, those dark tunnels. Yeah, a lot of times you have to go through the journey and it has like, you know, peaks and valleys. And, and you know, everybody thinks you're going to get to the journey is going to be like the ultimate goal. But it's, it's, it's actually those steps you take or the miles you drive or the things you have to overcome that make you stronger. You know, if you, as an artist, we make tons of like you, you're not, it's like, like if you're in sports, right, you get all that muscle memory to get the three point shot. If you're a musician, to look at it make it like it's seamless and easy, it's like 10,000 hours of playing that instrument to it, so it looks like it's easy. 
but everybody thinks it's like an overnight thing. No, the person probably put so much work in. There's a lot of struggles, calluses. There's things they did wrong. And they, it, there's, there's all this stuff that makes them, you, know, you don't see. You don't mm -hmm. see all the hard work. People just want to see the result, but it, there's a lot of work to anything you do. And, 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 and it's not always easy and it's not always perfect. There's a lot of things that are like happy accidents or things that are, are struggles. I agree with you for sure. Yes. So how many, how many years did you diet and, and, and how did it, did it feel like when you were doing that until you figured out that like, that's not the full goal of what you're doing is in the, the goal isn't the diet itself. It's something else. Right. I have been aware of my body since I was an 11 year old girl. <clears throat> and I would say that my first diet probably, uh, was my early teens. And then I was on some form of a diet for the rest of my life until turning, you know, 40. And I really, you know, even though I had this really beautiful awakening at 40, I still restricted my food and had a, was still healing that relationship. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> so I have been diet free for, I want to say five years now, for sure. I know wow. that I have not put, been, but anyways, to answer your question further, I, I remember knowing that the diet was working for a little while because I felt different. And then the diet would stop working and all those emotions would come back. And just always looking for the next diet or retrying the same diet I did last year or trying something completely, which I thought was new. But now <laughs> that I've done this long enough, I know that really every diet is the same. It's like restricting as many food groups as possible. It's just rebranded to a different name. Mm -hmm. And I've done the supplements, I've done the drinks, I've done this, I've done that. And I, I feel really sad for this generation because all the things that were not available to me are available to them. And although dieting is really the most dangerous thing that you can do to your body, you know, over and over again, I don't think that many people understand the repercussions of repetitive dieting. So mm -hmm. that is part of my work too, is to kind of heal that relationship with food that people have because dieting is really damaging your body on the inside. Cause it really is about like a balance. And a lot of times what I've seen with diets, it seems to go throw people into different imbalances. So you go all protein, you go all veggie, you go all this, all that. A lot of times it seems to be very extreme. Um, just on the outside looking in, cause I never really did them, but I've just, seen that it's like well i've always tried to just stay i'm a cancer survivor and what mm -hmm. i found is i needed kind of like you know organic food less processed food less chemicals in it but just consistently you know all the food groups and just eat in moderation because i'm a type 2 diabetic as well and so mm -hmm. my body kind of forced me into a zone being a cancer survivor there's certain if i want to survive since i was 27 i had it and i got rid of it and i'm 56 I mean, I'm able to bring it back, hasn't come back, 
but the idea was like, hey, don't smoke, don't do, don't go to excess. It's kind of like a balance. What I found is, you know, not everybody can be in balance because there's a lot of things that throw off balance. And so I think it's hard for people to find that 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 sweet spot. But for me, it was like, well, you know, cancer, diabetes. I have my body's telling me I have to be in this kind of zone, and I really don't have a lot of choices. <laughs> you know, in order to stay stable, I have to be in the kind of sweet spot zone of a moderation and everything, um, which is, you know, where I've tried to be. <laughs> And I love that. And that's an amazing, and I'm so happy that you're still here. So that's beautiful. But I still even think that when people say, oh, moderation, or I have to only eat this way, it's still unfortunately a way of dieting. Now, obviously you're a very, um, you have your circumstances and I appreciate that you listen to your body, but believe it or not, people can twist those words even into dieting and only eating a Mm. certain way and I think what I wish that people would understand is that there are so many beautiful foods out there that offer nutrients that we really don't have to eat out of a box if we don't want to but people do and I get that I was raised that way too but instead of looking at it in the way that well I can only eat certain amounts of food or I can only eat this food group and I know that's not what you're saying. I know, but I'm just kind of piggybacking on that. Yeah, yeah. I just think that to heal your relationship with food is really the ultimate goal here. Because even people who say that they're off the diets and they're really kind of opening their mind to this way of living, of not restricting, I still hear the things in the background. It's like, well, I still have to eat this way to keep my weight down, or I still have to eat this way. And how about total freedom? Doesn't that sound great? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I think you just have to know, like, like, like if you're a diabetic, you kind of crave sugar sometimes. So like you can't eat that box of cookies as a type two diabetic. You might want it, but mm-hmm. it's going to throw you sugar and you can have a diabetic coma. So there's certain things like this reasonable like maybe I make my own cookie. I bake a cookie and I use lower glucose things. I use a lot of fiber. So I learn how to make and I create the, the act of baking and making it myself mm-hmm. and making it with like a lot of whole grain, less fats, less things. You know, like you, you can do, teach yourself to enjoy like the act of baking. The act yeah. I made it from scratch. I made it so it's low, low glycemic. I made it so it's high fiber so I can actually have some of it without uh-huh. going and feeling guilty that yeah. it knocked my sugar up to 300 when I shouldn't have it, you know? So exactly. it's just a matter of like understanding what your body is telling you and knowing how to resolve it in a more creative way that's balanced. That That's what I was trying to get at. But Okay. Yes. And I agree with that too, because I was also going to say that there are certain foods, it doesn't matter how healthy they are may not respond well to your body. Yeah, yeah. I think it's nice that people give themselves permission to not force feed themselves healthy food when it really isn't doing your body any good. And back to the rainbow part of it, there are so many other foods that will work well with your body that you don't have to just suffer and eat only broccoli and steamed. Yeah, you can actually have something that tastes good. Like you could, 
you can have you don't have to have food that has no taste. Like being a cook, I like to play with spices and things, right? Yeah. So like the idea, like you have to suffer and have food that has no taste. Of course, you know you're never gonna stick to something that doesn't have taste because it's boring. So if you you just have a piece of meat with no spice on it, or even veggies have no spices on them at all. Mm-hmm. Not that you're a spicy person, but if you can't put flavor into the equation, how you, you're a human being, you got a palate. Like you're probably going to enjoy the very, very variation that nature has. There's so many different things you could try. And I lived in in Japan, and I I, I had the you know the benefit of having access to all these different foods in in Tokyo when I was there for two years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the, a lot of the food there you can eat is very, a lot of, a lot of veggies, but they taste good. Mm-hmm. They don't, you know, like you grew up in, as in America, sometimes you eat veggies, you don't want to eat them because it doesn't taste good. Like, like maybe the, your mom didn't know how to prepare them. But if you actually find a place where the veggies actually taste really good and are good for you, and you have a lot of fish and you don't have as much red meat and and you you end up walking a lot or you exercise a lot. It changes like your your mindset. You know, if you're not just if you if you don't if you have a relationship with the food and the food is not helping you because it's actually giving you too many calories and you don't exercise enough to justify eating the the volume you're eating, then you can have bad results because you're not in balance. But if you find ways to not that you want to diet, but just like find like where you, is your sweet spot for you, and how can you you know, live in that sweet spot without like hurting yourself. Well, that, that comes with trusting your body. That also comes from exposing yourself like you did to other foods, other cultures and learning how to cook is also another way to free yourself from that feeling that I can only eat this, this, and this, because I just have you know, learn how to cook when I was about 38 years old. So it's has only been about 10 years. And I feel like anything that I really crave or really want from a restaurant, I now know how to make it at home. And Mm. it's just as good for me now going to a restaurant is more like, you know what, I would love a night off from cooking, I would love a night off from being, you know, at home, I'd love my boyfriend to take me out to dinner or a special occasion. For me, that's what a restaurant experience is now. When I first moved to New York, eating out was a necessity because I mm. had never lived in a big city before. I had never understood how busy I was going to be. And, you know, you eat on the run. You literally eat. Is it hard to shop? Like in New York, is it hard to shop for yourself when there's so many restaurants and you're so busy? You probably don't have time to go to the grocery store in that kind of urban life. And maybe the grocery store is not in a place where you actually do it. You're more likely to go eat out, right? Well, in the beginning of my New York life, that's the way it was. But as I grew into cooking, and Whole Foods came to town. <laughs> oh, you found it. You found a place. So you had no excuse. So you found a place where you could get it. <laughs> yeah. So cooking at home, and I tell myself this all the time, that I learned how to cook in a 400 square foot apartment. And if I can do that and feed myself and nourish myself, then I can really kind of do anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. <laughs> Yeah, cause I, I, I've heard that excuse, you know, and I actually was in a city that like Tokyo, Tokyo mm-hmm. has so many restaurants, you don't need to cook at all. 
and they're actually really good quality and you could actually do okay. But, but I still had a kitchen and I like to cook. So I would go to the grocery store and I'd still buy food and I, you know, and I wouldn't eat out all the time, even though I could. Right. I found a play a way to still cook just because I was still cancer survivor. And I, I felt like I needed to control my intake based on what my, my oncologist had told me and my radiologist had told me certain things I needed to do. And it was more like because of that, that I was trying to make sure that I stayed, you know, in, in the zone for me. I think it's very important that you took that life lesson and really excelled and learned how to trust your body and take care of your body and listen to your body. If everyone, and they don't have to go through something like what you had to survive, if everyone can learn to do those things, the relationship between a person and their body and food would just exceed to a level that I don't think anyone, unless you go through something like this, have, yeah. has been able to experience. It really doesn't need, and I'm sure you agree with me, food, eating, preparing, whatever, it doesn't even need to be a thought anymore, right? I mean, you've done so much work to figure out what you need that it's literally like, okay, I'm making this for dinner. Boom, 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 eat. And then it's, you don't yeah, well, think it, about it. It becomes a habit. Well, it, it's just like if yeah, I'm a musician and I practice. Practice, you know, since I was 17. And I don't have to be forced into practice. I just do it because it's part of my routine of being a musician. And part of my routine is being a person is I like to cook. And it's not like a special occasion. It's something I like to do. It, it became part of my, that who I am. And if you, if it becomes like part of who you are, then it's not hard to repeat. So I think what happens is some people make it so it's so hard that it's not repeatable. If you go and try to take something on, you go from zero to a hundred, then you can't be repeatable because you're not making it so it's incremental. I think over time I did incremental steps that made it so it was like a habit is a part of my day to day. So if that's how you do it, then you, you can do it for 10, 20, 30 years. You can keep on doing it. But if you make it so it's so dramatic, you'll never hit it. <laughs> oh, I think there's something to be said for baby steps. Absolutely. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, it's hard. people have to know themselves. Some people maybe can, you know, they have to know where they are can they make the commitment to, to take the baby step? You know, you have to take that first step. <laughs> well, usually life has a way of kind of pushing you into, you can either stay the same or you can change. And that's the beauty of being a human. You get to make that choice. Is that something you would tell your younger self that, like, that you could have maybe made, you know, as you get older, you find, that like it's easier to to t take these steps that when you get the you know the the experience of life if you're when you're younger it's like you, you kind of get pigeonholed into you know these limiting beliefs and and you don't know how to get out of it until your wiser self finally realizes that you control it <laughs> you have the key to the door to walk out yeah <laughs> I mean, that is an interesting question. And I, I, I would love to tell my younger self that, you know, everything that you're going to grow up thinking that you're not, you already are. So I would love to have told myself that. But at the same time, 
your environment is really what shapes you. You know, they call it the formative years for a reason. And mm -hmm. I think it's a part of our journey. It's a part of our story. It's about how we figure out that the things that we've been doing for so long just don't work anymore. And I know that I went through that part of my life to be able to be here sitting, talking to you now, but I don't know. I don't know how to really answer that question. I think we all have to go through our journey. Some people don't believe that. Some people do. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. I mean, I know that the, the younger, my younger self, I was very frightened of public speaking. So if anybody knew me at age 15, would be shocked to see me on the mic. Yeah. They, they'd be shocked to see that I've done all these podcasts and I do music and I'm talking and I'm in front of people because it was not who they knew. But it's a, I, I had to, I overcame something I really, you know, it's a, it was this thing that had a crucible moment for me. I was like, why am I scared of that? And, you know, at some point I, I realized I really didn't have anything to fear and I got over it myself and I got out of my own way. Yeah. And sometimes there's a, a lot of times it's like, it's not somebody standing in your way. It's like you get out of your own way. Mm -hmm. And, and, and that's what I found is like, it was actually, you know, I was stopping myself. Yeah. I think we do do that. Don't we, we get in our own way. And I think so well, the fear of the unknown is just such a powerful emotion that we all kind of stay stuck until it just doesn't make sense anymore. And I think that's what I would like to help people you know, walk by them, walk, walk side by side with them and, and keep encouraging them to keep going, keep going. It's only going to be scary for another second. And then you're going to see something else so wonderful. It's like you have to have empathy for yourself before, before you can have empathy for other people. Like if you don't have empathy for your own self, if you don't have you know, like self-love or body love and you can't like stand being in your own skin, like how are you going to help anybody else? until you actually can get past yourself. Like, and so that, that seems like, oh, well, you're like, how's that? But it's true. Like, if you if you don't love yourself, how are you going to love anybody else? How are you going to help anybody else? And so it's like once you you write your, your book and you, you have this idea of body love and you express it and then people see the commonality because a lot of people don't understand. Like, some people feel like I'm the only person that feels this. And then once you write a book and somebody finds the parallel in their life to your story, then they give them permission to say, oh, I can feel this way. It's actually legitimate that I can feel this way. And now I can see somebody else that felt this way and they did this and maybe I can do that. Or maybe I can give myself permission. Yes, I, I really do hope that that's was my biggest wish when people finish that last page of my book and they put it down, they're like, yes, I can, I can do this. And I can do it too. Yep, you're back. <laughs> but yeah, you, you finished that point. I think it dropped off in the middle of that. Oh, sure. I, I was just saying that I'm really hoping that if, anyone who does read my book, that that is what they are left with is what my point was. Yeah. I think that that's really like, I think the whole point of sharing and telling stories, you know, this whole podcast has been about having people come on and tell the stories. And I, I encourage people to like, check out your, your, um, 
your your website where they can get your book from that site, right? Like if they go to rachellevinwellness.com, is that how they access your um your book? Yes, or they can just go straight to Amazon. That's where it's also available. That's great. So if they clicked on that, they go there, they, or they can go to Amazon, they can check it out and get that full story. Yeah. And so that they can really understand like how they can start to love their own body and, and give themselves permission to, to be themselves, right? Well, and have a better relationship with yourself. I mean, let's let's all walk back to who we really are and stop pretending to be something else. We don't need to do that. It's it's literally such a waste of life. It's a waste of our gift, which is our body, and it's a waste of energy, you know? Yeah. And then if you, once you, you, you get past that, then you can open up the door to like live in your life. Like if you, if people go through so many things that, you know, maybe it, it's not necessary. Like you're saying, like once you get past that, then you can actually open the book to your life. <laughs> they actually so experience. People, oh, I'm so sorry. Sorry. No, experience like what, what comes next instead of being in like a circular repeat loop like Groundhog Day or something. (laughs) Well, I was just going to say, like, I love when people tell me I have so much room in my mind to think about other things than just my body. And I love to hear that because it is so true. We're so consumed with these thoughts of ourselves that we don't get to enjoy life. And so when someone does tell me that and share that with me, I'm very happy. That's an awesome place to be because we're so, you know, people are so, can be so creative you can open up doors to whole new opportunities. And uh, I think that that's a really cool place to be. Yes, it is. Well, I want to thank you for being on the podcast. It's been great. And um, I want to let people know that we are, we're going to create a landing page. And so people can watch or listen on whatever um, platform they want to by tomorrow. And we are been live on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. And so you can check those out. And I thank you for being a guest on the Family Electric Coach Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you. Have a good night. You too.